afternoon. It's a sunny afternoon in Central Ohio, perfect for the view. I'm Dr. Joe. And I am Dr. I, and we are delighted that you chose to join us today on the window. Today, we are going to talk about healthcare. And we have some very esteemed guests from Ohio State University to talk to us about an important initiative that's coming up next month. And then we also have a financial uh, expert who has spent most of her career developing insurance options for black people. And so we think that this is a pretty important show. But before we get there, let me tell you about my morning, Dr. Joe. I'd love to hear about it. I looked out the window, and I saw some pretty sad sights. I saw families grieving. I saw people looking out their windows at tragedies in the street. It was just like this whole week has been... A disaster but I stopped and I said this is not the proper response to this situation this is not going to rule my day today I'm gonna look for something that's positive to put in my brain and in my heart and I found something right here in Columbus Okay, great. Would you like to know what it is? I really need to know what it is. Well, let me tell you, I'm putting a plug in for an organization that I did some work for. It's the Columbus Metropolitan Housing Association. And they are the leading producer of low-income housing here in Central Ohio. CMHA? CMHA. That's their acronym. And guess what? They're led by a black man named Charles Hillman. So today I read that he has uh, convinced his commissioners to provide internet service for 4,500 residents in a new facility. Now today, internet service is just like having electricity. You cannot make it with a job or just about anything else without internet. And they will have free internet service. That's great. Isn't that a good thing? That is good. Do they know how to access it or they're is that information all that? Yeah, they're going to get all the training. And um, I know you all know you've called people and said, oh, this is going to be on the internet. And they say, well, I don't, I don't use internet. That's not going to work, folks. It's 2021. And every one of you that says, I have not been on the internet or I don't use social media, you need to start today because that's the way of the world. And anyway, that's my good news about CMHA. That really is good news. And, and, uh, and you might have told by my, been able to tell by my fake perkiness earlier <laughs> that I'm struggling a bit when I look through the window. And I'm glad we're talking about health care today because mental health is part of health care, and I really am feeling some kind of way today, and I haven't yet gotten to the point where you are, Dr. I, where I'm able to see something more positive out of the negative things that are going on. So I'm really trying hard to do that. When I look through the window, 
I see the same view over and over again, it seems. I see gun violence, and then we think and pray, thoughts and prayers. I see police issues again, and then we protest and pray. I see the COVID vaccines or the COVID pandemic spiking again, while there are vaccines that are more available, but there was just perhaps we can find out from our healthcare professionals, a minor setback maybe in COVID vaccines as it relates to problems with one manufacturer. And so I am feeling cranky today. And I'm going to leave that there for right now, other than to say next week on the window, it's quite likely that we perhaps will hear a verdict in the George Floyd murder trial, which is really not the George Floyd murder trial because George Floyd is not on trial. He's dead. So it's likely that we will have a verdict on that. It's also likely that there will not be an end to the drama and the investigation surrounding the recent police shootings and the recent mass shootings. And so the little boys. Week, right. And so next week on The View, we will have two experts. We will have Dr. W. Marvin Delaney, who's well known in the central Ohio community from having uh, gotten his dissertation at The Ohio State University, gone on to a very lengthy career in academia, focusing on um, police reform, black police in America, as well as other civil rights related topics. And then here locally, our own Janet Jackson, who has a very long history in um, our judicial affairs, in public service, and has recently been named head of a local police review board. So we'll talk about that next week on The View. We're not ignoring those topics at all. And when we talk to them, we'll talk about not only what has happened, but what can we do. And maybe that will make me feel better, but for right now, the healthcare professionals will talk to us about all manner of health issues. And I'll leave my issues on the table for right now, but I'm gonna come back and ask them about some of the things that are concerning me, how I work through those. And and know that you're surrounded by love in this room. Thank you so much. Okay. That helps. Everyone who needs to be surrounded by love in our viewing audience, just take a moment. If you're not with somebody, just love on yourself for a moment. It's normal. It is so normal to, to be taken. I'm an empath. Everything I read, everything that's sad, I take in, and I have to look for things to pump myself up. So you're with friends. Thank you. I think we have someone on the phone that we need to talk to today. Who do we have on the phone? Good morning. I am Tamaya Nolan from The Ohio State University. How are you? Hi, Dr. Nolan. It's so good to hear from you. Are you with your your uh, colleague, Dr. Joseph? Uh, yes, I am here as well. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Columbus. It's great to be with you. Uh, Dr. Joshua Joseph from The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Well, I'm telling you, I'm excited about having such um, knowledgeable, uh, esteemed guests on this morning. Um, Dr. Nolan and Dr. Joseph have um, CVs, uh, they have resumes that go from here to New York City. But I'm just going to ask them to just tell us a little bit about your career at OSU. Well, sure. Dr. Nolan, why don't you go ahead? uh, Ladies first, right? (laughs) So thank you so much again for for having us. Uh, I'm so happy to be here to talk a little bit about the work that I've been doing. So I am a nurse scientist. I'm a nurse practitioner uh, by training. And the work that I have been very interested in is really helping uh, the black community to really
really self-managed chronic diseases. And so those chronic diseases that I have been most active in are breast cancer as well as cardiovascular disease. And so ways in which I work with the community are to really understand what are the concerns that they have and use their stories to help to, uh, to really develop interventions that are going to be used to improve quality of life and improve wellness. And so again, happy to be here and happy to share a little bit about that type of work that I'm doing uh, that is cancer, uh, National Cancer Institute funded and uh, really trying to improve uh, the, the health and wellness of young African-American breast cancer survivors as well as uh, improving the ideal cardiovascular health of both African-American men and African-American women. May I ask before Dr. Joseph introduces himself, may I ask about nurse practitioners, please? I've had colleagues who have gone to see their doctor and they said, well, gee, I didn't see the doctor. I saw the nurse practitioner. Is that okay? Talk to us about this trend. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm a little bit biased because I am a nurse practitioner. I will say that, you know, you will get the best comprehensive holistic care from your nurse practitioner. I'm sorry, Dr. Joseph, I have to say, I have to say it. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, we, we definitely are licensed to assess and diagnose as well as treat many, many, many conditions. And so uh, in tandem with our physician colleagues, we provide uh, holistic care uh, that is designed especially for the individual, personalized care. And so we can prescribe medication. Uh, we can order tests um, like our, our physician colleagues. But we do have limitations as far as the length uh, at which we can go with that. And so you will see that our physician colleagues have a lot more uh, a scope of, of practice. But we work in tandem as a team. Uh, any health care that you have is part of a health care team. And so uh, I'll just leave it at that. And Dr. Nolan, you are a nurse practitioner and a doctor. So I'm a nurse practitioner and I have a PhD. So that means I have a, a doctorate degree in philosophy specifically with nursing. My, mine came out of a school of nursing. And so that means that what I do uh, outside of nursing care is that I do research. And so I try to find new and innovative ways in which we can improve health. And so uh, that that is one of the avenues that some of our nurse colleagues take and other uh, nursing colleagues might take the route of becoming a DNP or a doctorate in nursing practice. And so the DNP is where you have a expert clinician who is going to take the knowledge that a PhD produces and then implement that into practice and find best practices for actual real world use of that. Okay, I feel better already. So not all nurse practitioners are physicians or PhDs, but you provide the services that you explain to us. Thank you. Yes. Dr. Joseph. Oh, well, thank you so much. And uh, similar to Dr. Nolan, I want to thank you for bringing us on today uh, to be able to speak to the Central Ohio community, a community that we love and care for. Uh, my work is focused on how do we reduce, uh, prevent, uh, and better treat uh, chronic diseases in Central Ohio. I am a diabetes doctor by training. I also have a master's of public health, so how do we improve populations? Uh, and that is my interest in kind of uh, building healthier communities. I like to point out that I don't do that alone. I work in big teams of individuals, including uh, Dr. Nolan that we have on today, Dr. Gray, uh, as well as Autumn Glover and many others here at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. With a, with a goal, like I say, of improving communities really throughout Columbus, uh, underinvested communities, underserved communities, really all communities throughout Columbus, we all know that we need better health. 
Uh, and so any way that we can do that, I'm here for it uh, and work with these individuals to implement strategies in order to do that. Uh, the last thing I want to say, I really want to come back to some of those earlier points that you mentioned, uh, is that one of the big focuses of that work uh, is how do we do that in an equitable manner. So we talk a lot about health equity, uh, meaning that the care that someone receives, that the treatment someone receives, uh, or even the lifestyle therapies like physical education or, or dietary therapies uh, are going to be effective for that individual person. Uh, and we know that health equity is a part of equity overall. Um, and so when you mentioned earlier, you know, Columbus Metropolitan Housing Authority, you know, getting 4,500 residents internet, those, those interventions are crucial and critical to health equity. We can't have health equity until we have equity in society. And we're lucky that you came back to your hometown to do your practice, aren't we? Uh, it is. It is, it is great to be here. You're 100% you're correct. I grew up on the near east side of Columbus uh, and uh, went to Columbus City Schools throughout. I'm a Columbus through and through, um, and it is great to be back to serve this community uh, that I love and care about. And I know your mother, too. Yes, everyone knows my mother, Sandra Joseph. Uh, yes. She's a, a great woman. And I know uh, your wife, too. Uh, and, so and my we, wife, we're watching Dr. you, Dr. Newland. Dr. Joseph, Who serves uh, Central Ohio in the capacity uh, of neurology. She's a movement disorder specialist, particularly around Parkinson's disease, uh, and works with uh, many organizations here locally uh, about the importance of better treatments for Parkinson's disease. You know, that's a great lead into my first question. Do you think black people took this pandemic epidemic seriously? Well, I think that's a, a great question. Maybe I'll, I'll start with that one and then Dr. Nolan uh, can come in as well. You know, I think it's it sounds like a very straightforward question, right? But I think that question is actually multifaceted. Um, what we know is that when we look at black communities, uh, there are more individuals that are frontline workers, right? There are more individuals who live in multi-generational housing uh, or don't have the access or, or means uh, to be able to avoid the virus. And what I mean by that is maybe teleworking um, and staying home. And so I think that there has been more exposure, uh, not only in black communities, but also uh, Latinx communities and other uh, underinvested white communities uh, throughout central Ohio. Um, and with more exposure, uh, there's more risk of contracting the virus. Uh, and so I think this really goes back to kind of some of your earlier comments, uh, where what we call the social determinants of health, where you live, work, pray, and play, are really critical uh, to your health long term. And we've seen that this COVID-19 pandemic has illuminated that fact here in Central Ohio. I call it zip code discrimination. We know that there's a 20 year gap, right, just here in Central Ohio between the Near East Side and Bexley, right? A 20 year gap in life expectancy. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at, at, at Columbus in general, we look at some of our zip codes in the Franklinton area, they have the lowest life expectancy of any zip code in the state. Let me repeat that. Some of our communities continue to um, particularly the, in the Franklinton area, have the lowest life expectancy of any communities in the state of Ohio. And that's where poverty lives, too. 
you know, poverty is the main social determinant of health. Uh, it really is. And that's where, you know, some of the interventions like the RISE poverty plan for, you know, Franklin County are really critical. Uh, guaranteeing individuals a living wage of $15 an hour. I know all the health systems here locally have taken that on, including Mount Carmel, uh, as well as Ohio Health and the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, uh, to ensure people don't have to work two, three, four jobs, uh, just not to get ahead, but just to, to stay at baseline. Um, and I think that that's critical uh, in moving us forward here locally, uh, that we have to have a living wage uh, for all individuals. So if my understanding is correct, then not only are um, issues such as poverty and perhaps race related to poverty, not only do they perhaps expose those groups more to the virus, but if in fact within those groups we contract the virus, it impacts us more severely from a health perspective. Is that correct? So uh, a couple of things there. Um, the color of your skin does not determine the impact of the virus. Right, um, the color of your, from a genetic standpoint, there's no difference. Okay. Uh, the the challenge has been that when we look at communities, uh, black and brown communities throughout Central Ohio, because of the social determinants of health that we're talking about, uh, for instance, on on you know uh, some places in town like the Near East Side, there's not supermarkets. Right, there's there's one supermarket over there, you know, at Main and Holtzman over near Bexley, uh, but very difficult to get you know fresh fruits and vegetables. There may be other communities where, where violence is more of a challenge, so it's tougher to get outside and be physically active and do 150 minutes a week of physical activity. So when we look at these pieces, what do they lead to? Well, they lead to those chronic diseases, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, obesity, et cetera. Uh, and it's these conditions that then kind of worsen your response uh, to COVID-19. Uh, so I'll give you an example of what we see here at the Wexner Medical Center. Uh, is 30 to 40 percent of people that are admitted with COVID-19 have diabetes, right? But we know that only 10 percent of the people in the U.S. have diabetes. Uh, so there's an over-representation there. Uh, and so it's that intersection uh, between kind of that, you know, the, the, the social determinants of health as well as the exposure to COVID-19. Um, and then that last piece, in, uh, piece, piece that you mentioned there, uh, which is structural racism. Um, and we know we have challenges within our medical systems uh, and how we care for individuals and how bias may influence that. Um, right here at the Wexner Medical Center, we're trying to eliminate that every day and change our culture. We have an anti-racism action plan uh, that has nine key elements. Uh, and within those, one of the main ones is improving patient care uh, to ensure that it is, it is uh, not biased and it is anti-racist. So as it relates then to the vaccine, and, and Dr. Joseph, I've had the privilege of hearing you, Dr. Nolan, I'm pleased to meet you for the first time, but I've had the privilege of hearing you and other healthcare professionals try to assure the community that the very normal hesitations that may exist in the African-American community about the vaccine because of the history of how uh, medical care has or has not been handled equitably among our community, I've heard healthcare professionals in the African-American community trying to assure us that the vaccine is a better option than catching COVID. Is there still vaccine hesitancy, though, within our community? And if so, why? Yeah, so... Uh, I'll the, take that one. Oh, go ahead, Dr. Nolan. Uh, so, so, We're going to so take I, a I, quick I, break, if we may. I'm so sorry to interrupt. We will be right back on the window. 
Thank you for joining us on The Window on 1580thepraise.com. We are here with Dr. Joshua Joseph and Dr. Tamia Nolan talking to us about healthcare issues. We were just about to talk about vaccine hesitancy prior to the break. And Dr. Nolan, I believe you were going to answer the question about whether we, particularly as African-Americans, are still concerned about taking the vaccine, and if so, why and what can be done about that? Definitely. So I have to preface this. You may hear the the Southern drawl coming out of my voice, but I'm from Alabama, Bruton, Alabama, to be exact. And it's less than two hours away from Tuskegee. And so we know the U.S. syphilis study uh, that took place there uh, has really had uh, profound reaching effects on how the black community uh, participates when it comes to uh, not only research but also uh, in healthcare, and there's there's a mistrust uh, that is is, is rightfully so uh, there, and so we have seen definitely that uh, there is still hesitancy. And I will say, as, as for myself, uh, I am um, full disclosure, I'm a breastfeeding mother, and one of the concerns that I initially had and the hesitancy that I initially had was I wanted to see that um, pregnant and breastfeeding mothers were still doing well. And so I actually just received my last vaccine April the 3rd because I wanted to see some data. And so uh, that's one of the, one of the things that I think that our African-American community, community has been waiting on is to see how well the vaccine has been doing. And so you, you, I have heard a lot of people in the community say, oh, well, I'm going to see if you turn into an alien or if you turn into, <laughs> into something other than human. Uh, we've also heard people say, well, you know, what did they put in that? It happened so quickly. Uh, how did they How did they move from A to Z so quickly and have a vaccine uh, that's ready for us? And so, of course, we, we know that there's um, some, some great um, evidence behind both, well, excuse me, all three of the vaccines that are available here in the United States. So Moderna, Pfizer, and, uh, and Johnson & Johnson. And so what we, what we know is that they had very diverse clinical trial participation where black people were involved and this clinical trial participation happened using a vaccine that was not created last year. It's been happening. It's been um, it's been a number of years that this vaccine has been under construction. And then we use the final pieces of, of the COVID-19 uh, COVID-19 virus that is uh, that is available now or out in the United States now to complete that vaccine. And we had millions and millions of dollars that were put forth by both the um, the government, the federal government, as well as our, our pharmacy and so uh, pharma, uh, pharmaceutical companies. And so all of those things put together really helped us to move very, very quickly to what is now being widely distributed across the United States. And so although, you know, we have a, a number of concerns in our black community, I, I, I am one of those people who advocate for um, getting the vaccine because it's, it's better to get the vaccine and lower your risk of dying from COVID, lowering your, lowering your risk from actually getting COVID than to get COVID and to risk yourselves and also your family members. And so I'll, I'll leave it to Dr. Joseph to um, share some other insights. Oh, no, I, I think that was perfect, Dr. Nolan. And, you know, the only thing I'll add is that the second, you know, piece of that, the other side of that coin that you didn't ask about was access. Um, you know, there, there have been challenges around hesitancy. There's also been challenges around access. You know, how do we get the vaccine to individuals uh, in their own communities? And I know a lot of work has been done there with Columbus Public Health, Franklin County Public Health, 
uh, as well as our own organizations and organizations like Equitas uh, and other federally qualified health centers to be able to get that vaccine to people uh, in their own communities uh, so that it's accessible. Should we be nervous about Johnson & Johnson? So right now, uh, Johnson & Johnson is on a pause. Um, there have been six cases of a, a clotting disorder, a really rare clotting disorder that occurs normally in the population. There are about 12 cases per year of this. So about, you know, around, um, you know, we have 300 million people here in the U.S., so pretty, pretty rare, uh, about one per month. Um, and there were six cases over the course of two months of this rare blood clotting disorder. Um, and those individuals, uh, you know, had gotten the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, and so that has led to a pause. I think we're going to take a look at the data um, and further understand that uh, prior to uh, kind of bringing it back out um, and uh, vaccinating individuals. But still very, very low risk. We're talking about, you know, six individuals uh, across all the individuals who have been vaccinated. So for our listening audience, can you help us think through what we can say to our friends, our relatives, our coworkers who, despite everything, for no particular reason, or perhaps for some of the reasons that have been proven to be unfounded, are still reluctant to get the vaccine. Now, I can tell you what I say, because you may have heard at the beginning of the show my confession of crankiness. So I say one of two things. I say, if you choose not to get the vaccine, which is your choice, you cannot come to the cookout. Don't come to my house. Don't get in my car. Don't do whatever. That's the first thing I say. The second thing is I ask a question, and I ask it very sincerely. If you truly believe that we should not get the vaccine, then what's your solution for how we get out of the pandemic? Do we just stay in the state forever? Or is it survival of the fittest? We just see who lives and who dies and take our chances. But that's me and I'm cranky. So what would you suggest that our listening audience say or do to talk to or perhaps help people we know within our circle who might benefit from the vaccine? And we all will benefit because it's still contagious. What can we say? Uh, Dr. Nolan, do you want to take that one? Sure. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what one of the things that, that I, I definitely have, have told folks is uh, I have an eight-month-old daughter, and I'm with you. If, if you if you don't get vaccinated, you won't be seeing my baby girl. But the other thing um, that is, is, that's super important is that, you know, a lot of times if you are not participating in the latest innovation, you're going to get left behind. And we already have so many um, chronic diseases that are killing our black brothers and sisters. And why add another COVID-19 pandemic, COVID-19 virus that is killing our black brothers and sisters when there is an effective, a safe way that you can reduce your risk of both getting and spreading COVID-19, um, uh, the virus, COVID-19 virus. And so it's incumbent upon us to not be left behind because there are others who are taking this vaccine and who's going to be left? That's my question, who's going to be left? Let me switch gears here because you all have a pretty big event coming up that we need to um, announce to the listening audience. And I wanna shout out to Janie Bailey who told me about it and she's a member of a local group called The Charms, but she's the one who told me that you all have a big health fair coming up. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. We have, it's called the Global Church Event, and it's hosted uh, at the uh, Friendship Missionary Baptist Church there on West Broad Street. And it is a, a health fair, an event that you can get caught up in one day. A lot of us have, you know, been sheltering in place for over a year now. And you may have been afraid to go out and to get your cancer screenings, go out and get your blood pressure checked and things of that nature. But I'm here to say that not only do we have wonderful, um, wonderful practices in place to reduce your risk of, of getting COVID while you're out in the clinical setting, but we also want to bring this to our community. And so Friendship Missionary Baptist Church has partnered with us at the Ohio State University, our Wexner Medical Center, our James Cancer Center, also Ohio Health, Primary One, Columbus uh, Public Health, Franklin County Public Health, you name it, the list goes on and on and on but having a day of services for our community uh, that is going to be May 1st from 8.30 to 2.30. And you can come out, uh, and if you need a mammogram, you can get a mammogram. If you need to get prostate exam, you can get a, a prostate exam. Uh, we encourage everyone to come out and learn their numbers as, well as, as it relates to cardiovascular health. You can get your blood pressure, your glucose, cholesterol. We can check your weight for you. We'll ask you questions about your diet, your physical activity, your smoking status, and we'll give you personalized information based off of the responses um, that, you, that you tell us so that you can improve your health uh, on a daily basis. And so we're just excited about the partnerships that we have that are broad reaching to really wrap our arms around the black community. And it's free, right? absolutely free free to come out free to learn uh we've got some great goodie bags that'll be out there for folks who are who are coming to to see us and and again i mentioned that it is covid friendly so masks are required we'll have spacing uh, uh out there for everyone and we're just going to have a great day of, of education a great day to service our community and dr joe and dr dr i you know i think to Dr. Nolan's points there, you know, we're talking about that issue with access for the COVID-19 vaccine, right? It, you know, we've been on the phone with you, Columbus community. We know you're calling that number, you're getting online. It's hard to get those appointments for the COVID-19 vaccine. You know, one of the other great pieces about this event is we have the COVID-19 vaccine that day. Um, so folks can also come out and get their vaccine into, in, in addition to all the great other services that we'll be providing that day. So can you tell us again the date and time of this health fair? Yep, it'll be Absolutely. Saturday. Oh, go ahead, Dr. Dolan. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It'll be Saturday, May 1st from 8.30 to 2.30. And for more information related to the event, uh, your listeners can go to cancer.osu.edu backslash global church. Okay, so we're going to take you right to. We're going to say this all again so that our listeners now have a pen and paper to write this down. This is so important. All right? Saturday, May 1st. Saturday, right? May 1st. Okay. 8 30 to 2 30. And for more information, go to cancer.osu.edu backslash global church. We certainly appreciate this. Um, collaboration with so many big organizations. I'm sure that wasn't easy to pull off, but we appreciate all the work that you put into it, and hopefully um, our listening audience will take advantage of it. 
we need to switch gears because we've got one of the esteemed speakers here with us today. And I have known this speaker, and thank you, Dr. Nolan and Dr. Joseph, but stay on the line because you probably um, have heard of this lady too. Um, this lady has pretty much been the voice of insurance for black people for the last 25 years. Well, I won't say how old we are. We're just going to skip over that. But she'll be a speaker at the health fair. Is that She's correct? The health fair will have speakers as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yes. They're going to have speakers. They're going to have breakout sessions. They're going to have everything. But this lady, I have known as a pillar in the black community um, in terms of insurance information, insurance purchases. She's a professor of insurance and uh, similar topics at Franklin University. Um, she is a business owner, and she's going to tell us about health insurance today because there's been a lot of changes, and we need to know about that. And her name is Sandra Moody Gresham from Dehan Insurance. And we're going to have her tell a little bit about her history and her biography, and then she's going to come back and tell us about this situation with health insurance. Sandra? Good afternoon, and thank you, Dr. I and Dr. Joe, for inviting me. And I thank the doctors for sharing uh, that information. That was critical. Um, you know, and, and part of these social determinants of health is access to health insurance. Right. Um, so just a little bit of background on myself. I own Dehan Enterprises Insurance and Financial Services, and our office is just on the near east side uh, next to the Columbus Health Department. And we do all lines of insurance. So not only health insurance for individuals and, and businesses, but also we do commercial and business insurance. We do auto and homeowners insurance. Um, and then we do a lot of financial literacy around insurance. Um, people spend a lot of money in insurance, very few understand it, and we don't want folks to learn it at claim time. So we, we do a lot of education around health insurance. I've been in the industry uh, more than three decades. And again, um, I also, as you mentioned, I am a professor over at Franklin University I'm teaching in the risk management um, area. So my work really is focused around um, the assisting folks in the creation, accumulation, and protection of wealth. And we do that with insurance products, and we do it through financial literacy education. And you're a mom, a wife, and a grandma. All of those. All of the above. <laughs> We're going to hear more about your background and about what you can tell us about health insurance when we come back for break. But first, let's clarify a few issues. So in order to participate in this health fair that we've talked about with our guests on the line, do you need health insurance? No, you do not. This right. is a open. Anyone can come. But we will also be enrolling people in health insurance plans through the health care marketplace because of the expanded uh, open enrollment um, now till August 15th. And we'll talk much more about that. One more question. Do you need health care insurance to get a COVID vaccination? You do not. You do not need insurance for a test or a vaccination. You will likely need insurance for treatment. So if you're diagnosed, you're hospitalized, you're getting care, you need health insurance for those, those aspects, but certainly not for the test or the vaccination. We'll elaborate more when we come back from break on the window. 
I hope that woke you all up. A little bit of technical difficulty there, but we are back. Just one second here. I think we got it now. Okay. Um, Sandra, tell us about the changes in the health insurance market. We don't know. Yeah, so uh, recently the um, federal government enacted what they call the Rescue Act. Um, And this was the legislation that provided $1,400 to more than 85% of Americans, extended unemployment and increased the weekly payments for unemployment, you know, about to send checks to families with children. One of those other provisions of the law was to increase the premium tax subsidies provided through the marketplace. And what that means is the federal government, what that means is the federal government, um, is covering more of the cost of your premiums. Therefore, the cost that you pay, the cost that you pay has been reduced. Uh, and it's significant. Um, the data that healthcare.gov has put out states that four out of five individuals receiving subsidies can now pay $10 or less premium. Um, and so, and the other significant provision was that those previous, those who make more than $50,000 previously were not eligible for a sub- subsidy or discount. So they are now eligible to receive a, a subsidy as well and it can pay no more than eight and a half percent of their income. Where previously, again, those folks weren't eligible for the discounts at all. So this is a significant um, benefit. What we're seeing just in our own clients, I mean, we've had young people previously paying $68, now they're paying 38 cents. Or a family, a couple in their 60s, um, they were paying about almost $800. They're now paying $600. Is this a monthly or annual? These are monthly premiums. Uh, so it is making a significant difference. Um, a young person, young, I'm saying mid-30s, they were paying $107. They're now paying $4. So it, it there was a lot of concern that the premiums were still high. And they are, I mean, they were expensive no doubt about it but today it doesn't make sense for people not to look at getting coverage because literally when we talk about four out of five people paying less than 10 or 20 dollars a month for health insurance i mean there's no excuses now is this from any company or is this just through obamacare this is through the marketplace which is the same as obamacare Mm -hmm. now there are in ohio there are 10 different insurance companies participating in the marketplace you and your access to what carrier depends on the county you live in in franklin county there are six different companies um, that we have options to choose from one of the other important things is that all of those plans in franklin county are what they call hmos which means you have in-network services only so you have to select the plan that your doctors and hospitals accept and are a part of that network and, and um, we heard from the doctors over at osu so osu is one of the networks networks. Mount Carmel is a network as well as Ohio Health. Um, So, you know, we encourage people to talk to their doctors to learn which marketplace or Obamacare plans they accept and only look at those plans if you want to continue to get coverage at your um, 
at those particular doctors and hospitals. What if they have a a real serious illness? It used to be that if you tried to get insurance and you had a history of cancer or something like that, you either had to just, you didn't get any insurance or you had to find wealth somewhere to pay for it. What about that now? And one of the beauties of the Affordable Care Act that was established back in 2010 through President, uh, during President Obama's administration, the Affordable Care Act eliminated pre-existing conditions. And so what that means is no medical questions are asked at the time of application and literally everything is covered. Um, so if you have a marketplace or Obamacare plan, you don't have to worry about pre-existing conditions because all of that is covered. And when you say all of that is covered, what if you've had a stroke? It's, you know, if you go to get treatment on a marketplace plan, there are no questions about your medical history and everything is covered. So there are no exclusions for pre-existing conditions. So they can help me learn how to walk again. Exactly. Um, it was mentioned earlier about mental health. Mental health coverages are covered in um, the marketplace plans, again, because of the Affordable Care Act legislation, med- mental health, substance abuse coverage, those are covered treatments today that we didn't have prior to the Affordable Care Act. Is there a deductible? There are deductibles and copays on these plans. Uh, and that's part of the challenge that they've been high. They're five, $6,000 deductibles. Uh, and let me back up and explain it because some, some people have a, uh, are not certain about what's the difference between a premium and a deductible and a coinsurance. So the premium is that monthly bill you pay to have the coverage, just like your car insurance or your homeowner's insurance. The deductible is the amount you pay before the insurance may kicked in. And these th- those deductibles usually come to play anytime it's outside of a doctor's office. So if you're doing outpatient surgery, inpatient, if you're doing labs, specialized treatments, anything that's outside of that doctor's office is usually when your deductible is going to apply. Then there's copays. Those are the fixed dollar amounts that you pay when you visit the doctor. That might be $50 or $25. And that is, you can utilize those copays without being subject to your deductible. Um, so, and then the other term that's important to know is out-of-pocket maximum. So that's the most you'll ever pay. So if you have a $5,000 deductible and then you have an out-of-pocket maximum, let's say $7,000, you, you go in a hospital, you pay $5,000 or you build for that $5,000, then you may have 20% of the bill until you get to that 7000 out of pocket. So when you hit that limit, the plan pays 100%. So you know you're sealing uh, for something catastrophic happening. But what if you have no income? Then you are eligible for Medicaid. Uh, Medicaid is the health insurance program for low-income families and the, and the poor. And in Ohio, we were one of the states that expanded Medicaid. And what that means is prior to, again, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, if you had to make less than $12,000 to be eligible for Medicaid. With the expansion, you now can make less than 17000 and be eligible 
for Medicaid. And Medicaid, again, is, the, is free health insurance for those, uh, the working poor or the low-income um, families and individuals. Huge. Um, so Ohio is one of those places. You have to make over 17000 to be eligible for a marketplace or Obamacare plan. And then, of course, that's indexed based on the number in your household. Can you give us a, like, a little case study on maybe a client that you've had that you had to kind of figure out how to service them? I know you have lots of clients with no income and some income and a lot of income. So I think yeah. that would help our, our listeners understand more. Sure. So we, we work a lot with um, sole proprietors or independent contractors and many individuals with the gig economy, right? So when you have to select a plan on the marketplace, it's based on income and those subsidies are based on income. So as a, as a sole proprietor or someone who um, is an independent contractor, you're looking at net income. So you may start at $40,000. That's all the money you receive or your gross income. And you subtract your expenses out of that. So you may get down to 20000 as net income. So now we look at plans and we look at subsidies based on $20,000. So we, we had a gentleman, I think he's maybe 32, self-employed, net income about $20,000. Um, and he's the scenario that was paying $68 a month. And then after the um, Rescue Act, it took him to 38 cents a month. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So it becomes no reason. And now I hear a lot of people say, well, I pay as I go. And when I go visit the doctor, I just pay the doctor visit. And I tell people that works very well as long as you're healthy. When you get sick, you could wake up one morning and have cancer, mm -hmm. right? I'm a cancer survivor. I literally woke up one morning and had cancer. Right. So that's when you have to have health insurance. You can go break your leg or you have a car accident. You never know when you're going to need health insurance. I think we have to prioritize that in our lives. So if I have a, a $5,000 out of pocket max, at least I know worst case scenario is going to be $5,000 I have to pay. But if I have no insurance, I'm not going to get access to the kind of care I need. I'm not going to get the best doctors. I have an unlimited uh, exposure mm -hmm. uh, to my cost if something happens. So we need to prioritize our health insurance, prioritize our health in general, um, and then find a plan that fits your budget. What about our grown children? Like That almost sounds like an oxymoron. Right? I know. <laughs> I know. At what age are our children not eligible to be on our health care insurance? When can we uh, yes. put them in their own place? Our adult children can stay on your health insurance plan until age 26. After 26, they're eligible for an individual marketplace plan. The beauty of that, if at their 26, 27, let's say they're only making 25,000, they've got a part-time job, maybe still in school. They're, they're, those are the folks who are paying $10 a month for, for coverage. And they're, you know, they're the invincibles. They think they'll never get sick or never need it. But, you know, again, anything can happen to anyone at any time. So... 
Is it worth 10 bucks a month? And what about at the other end of the age range? What, what about our senior? What's the difference between Medicaid and Medicare? So Medicaid is for the low income working poor families. Medicare is for those adults, Americans over age 65. So the marketplace plans are for those under 65 and Medicare is for those over 65. So there are various options on Medicare where you can have coverage direct through Medicare only. You might select a Medicare supplement or Medicare Advantage. So we advise working with a Medicare specialist um, to really start to hone in on which strategy is best for you because everyone's needs are different um, in determining which one is best. So if you, uh, many people get those terms confused. One way to remember, if you're low income, you may need aid or assistance, so Medicaid. And as we age, we need care. So Medicare for seniors. How do you find a Medicare specialist? Um, our actually our office um, has a couple Medicare specialists and many of the insurance companies have specialists. These are independent brokers often that represent numerous companies. I mean, that's what you want. You want to work with a, a representative that represents multiple carriers so they can really help you figure out what's one is best for you. But Medicare's website also has a list of certified professionals in Medicare, as well as in Marketplace um, in your zip code, based on your zip code. Is there a cost for a Medicare professional? No, there isn't. So, nor is there a cost to work with a broker for the Marketplace. Um, The insurance companies compensate us. So, you literally can uh, select a Medicare or a marketplace plan on your own, self-enroll through the internet, as we talked about earlier, or you can work with a professional like a broker like myself or a Medicare specialist at no cost and get the advice and professionalism of working with us. And here's another point that we need to recognize as would-be senior citizens. It's about creating wealth after we're gone. I know it's a topic that we really don't want to talk about, but it's inevitable. And we need to be thinking about building up something for our loved ones after we're gone. I think I bought a policy from you 25 years ago. I'm almost paid up now for my children. And um, I, I don't think that any of this is taught in school to our people. Agreed. And, you know, and then you think why the wealth gap exists. A lot of that is the knowledge gap. You know, the sooner we can learn these tools and transfer that information down to our future generations, that's going to begin to address some of those deficiencies and gaps we have in wealth and understanding insurance. Well, back in the day, your parents didn't talk to you about money. You just assumed that everything was okay because it was food on the table. You didn't know how they were struggling behind the scenes. And I know I never heard them talk about life insurance, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's an important topic for us to begin talking and investing in ourselves for our kids. And even if we're not into wealth creation, which we should be, we certainly don't want to be a drain on our families and on our loved ones. So anything as extreme as not having burial insurance 
or not having health insurance in any form so that someone else has to fill in the gap as it relates to either your care or your finances creates a drain on others. Even something as simple as not going to the health fair and getting your blood pressure checked assumes that you're willing to take the risk that either you are hastening the day when you won't be there for those who depend on you or that you will have to depend on someone else to take care of you. And so wouldn't it be much simpler to bond together right now? For example, tell someone about the health fair, provide transportation to someone for the health fair, share with someone the knowledge that you gain today. Who will some of the other speakers be at the health fair? If I might ask, if you're an example, my gosh. Yeah, so there are, um, to talk when you talk about life insurance and estate planning, so uh, Nicole Simpson is going to be there from Go Fund Your Life, and she also partners with Dahan. And so we're talking about um, financial literacy. There's also um, a representative from Deal Whitaker to talk about final expense and final planning um, around that. Um, there are numerous and that will be there. So everything around the financial arena as well as on the health arena is what they try to capture uh, representatives. And it's informational. Again, we perish from lack of knowledge. So spending an hour, a couple hours over there to gain the knowledge, to take the screenings, to enroll in health insurance if you haven't done that. Um, I think it's a Saturday well worth it, well worth your time. Sandra Moody Gresham, Dr. Joshua Joseph, Dr. Tamia Nolan, any parting comments or thoughts as we exit the window today? I would just like to remind people the healthcare open enrollment window is open till August 15th. Um, which has been extended. So now's the time and they can reach out to our office at 614-238-3520 to assist them in getting enrolled or show up on May 1st. We can take more control over our health. We can break the cycles. Thank you so much to all three of our guests for spending your very valuable time and expertise with us here today. I feel a little bit blessed, Frankie. I'm I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining me, Dr. Joanna Williamson and Dr. Iris Cooper on The Window. Please join us next week when our topic will be police reform. That's a huge issue for us now. We'll look forward to talking to you. Have a good week.